Hello, and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Forrest Hansen. In our last episode, we completed our focus on the strength of grit, and today we're beginning a new focus on gratitude, the fifth of the 12 strengths we'll be exploring throughout this series. We tend to spend our lives seeking to feel good in the future, but this is often stressful and tiring in the present. With gratitude, you feel good already. Today, we're going to particularly focus on the role of positive emotions in general and their value for mental health. We're then going to spend some time talking about thankfulness, a core component of gratitude where we're able to authentically appreciate the good things we've been given in life. Joining me today, as always, is Dr. Rick Hansen. So in the book Resilient and in your online program, The Foundations of Wellbeing, that the book is based on, you use the word gratitude as a kind of catch-all for positive emotions in general. And why did you choose that word? Well, first, I'm kind of reminded of the saying, never let what you're teaching get in the way of what you're teaching. And (laughs) what I kind of mean by that is a sort of behind-the-curtain acknowledgement Mm -hmm. for those who are listening that we're using these words often as big and fairly flexible Mm -hmm. umbrella terms Mm -hmm. for a lot of what's inside them. I like the term gratitude as a general heading for positive emotions because it's such a fundamental positive emotion Mm -hmm. itself. And implicit in the notion of gratitude is the sense of receiving something good, getting something good, Mm -hmm. which is in many ways at the heart of uh, so many positive emotions. Great. So what's the role of those positive emotions, generally speaking, in terms of mental health? Yeah, this is where I definitely want to bound the direction of Barbara Fredrickson, Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Fredrickson, I believe University of North Carolina, and her groundbreaking work starting around 20 years ago uh, on the science, really, of positive emotions. And one of the reasons I want to send a bow in her direction is that as a young academic coming out to focus on uh, the reality of positive emotions and the benefits of them, that was potentially career suicide for her. Mm. And I know her personally as someone with integrity who's really pursued this area and tried to help a lot of people. And I encourage people to take a look at uh, some of her work, including her recent work on the positive emotions of love and mm. loving kindness mm-hmm. and compassion for others uh, as well as for oneself. So what Dr. Fredrickson found is that positive emotions feel good all right, we knew that already. Thank you, Captain Obvious. But in addition, they are good mm. in the sense that positive emotions lower blood pressure, mm-hmm. protect the immune system against the impact of stress, uh, and therefore preserve long-term physical health. Uh, as a quick sidebar, recently I would add that recent research uh, by um, Alyssa Apple and Elizabeth Blackburn and others on telomeres these caps on the ends of chromosomes, that as we age and those caps shrink, we become increasingly exposed to age-related illnesses. Mm. So that Mm -hmm. if we can protect those telomeres on our DNA molecules, and therefore our genetic material, that's a good thing. And positive emotions seem to have a beneficial effect in even conserving telomere length Mm. and promoting other biochemical processes that protect telomeres. That's good. Uh, Additionally, positive emotions help us bounce back from stress or even trauma and loss. One of the interesting things that Barbara was able to do in her research was to do before and after investigations of people that she had tested before 9-11. 
Mm. And then after individuals had suffered losses due to 9-11, they'd lost loved ones or they'd been involved in those attacks directly themselves, she found that the people who, um, in her initial study, had higher levels of positive emotion as a baseline showed better rates of recovery and were less likely to experience depression or sustained post-traumatic shock after 9-11 than people who had less positive moods or Mm -hmm. less positive emotions as a baseline. Mm -hmm. That's really quite something. A couple more benefits quickly, if you like. Uh, She has a term uh, describing positive emotions called broaden and build. It really has two parts to it. The first part, broaden, means that, as much research shows, when we have negative emotions, we tend to narrow the field of focus and have a kind of tunnel vision over what's problematic. But on the other hand, when we're experiencing positive emotions, including routinely mild positive emotions, such as a you know kind of relaxed, mild sense of well-being, or sense of ease as you move through the day, or kind of a peacefulness, or a a sense of liking another person or feeling connected with them or feeling like you're uh, engaged in teamwork in a way that feels good. Whatever those might be, when you're experiencing positive emotion, that tends to broaden your view. So you take in the whole mosaic of reality, see the big picture, which then leads to, as studies have shown, more creative problem solving and a more flexible, open-minded kind of decision-making process, which helps people be more successful as well as to deal with problems and over the long haul, be willing to dream bigger dreams. Is that why you chose to orient your work, both in terms of the book Resilient and in terms of your broader work over the last 30 years or so, more in the direction of increasing the value that we take in from positive experiences as opposed to limiting the impact of negative ones? Wow, you're you're really getting in a deep question there, mm-hmm. Forrest. And I would say, first that when I look back over the trajectory of my career, you can kind of see things from a place of perspective that you you wouldn't realize when you're Mm. in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And I can see that there's just been this deep recurring theme in me having to do with using resources, Mm. mental resources of various kinds, which, of course, as you all know, in the book Resilient, we, we cover these different resources. And if you have any interest in resources, like grit, gratitude, compassion, confidence, feelings of self-worth, and so on, that immediately takes you into a focus on learning Mm, how to grow resources. So I tended to work backwards. And there are lots of resources that really matter that I would not describe as emotionally positive. Mm, For mm -hmm. one, often they don't particularly have an emotional component, like um, a sense of knowing how to be skillful with other people. Yeah, or knowing how to be skillful with your mind. Uh, that's just neutral. And there's certain resources that I wouldn't say are happy, but they matter. Like some of the things we talked about in the last uh, strength, grit, that sense of fortitude and toughness inside, mm-hmm. relentless, fierce determination yeah. uh, as one resource mm-hmm. a person can draw on, not the only resource, obviously. I wouldn't say it's emotionally positive. Even the capacity for healthy remorse, like Mm -hmm. to be able to tolerate healthy remorse isn't a very positive feeling, but yet it's incredibly important. But it has many benefits to it. Yeah. So I I would highlight the general theme of resources Mm -hmm. and therefore the importance of knowing how to acquire resources. Inside that framework, emotionally positive experiences are a major resource. And many of the resources that 
are very useful for us to have and to grow and to use are emotionally positive. So their enjoyability, their positivity, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, one of the titles, uh, the title of one of Barbara's books, positivity is a marker mm-hmm. for what could be actually good for you. So for me, that's that's kind of the way I would think about it. Moving from there more towards our focus inside of gratitude on thankfulness, Great. we teach children to say please and thank you from a very young age. So there's this basic cultural assumption on some level that being thankful is good. Yeah. But psychologically, what are the benefits of being thankful, of kind of leaning into a position of thankfulness, broadly speaking, outside of simply being appropriately polite about appreciating what other people give us. Right. So here I draw on the work of Dr. Robert Emmons, Mm. uh, University of California, Davis, who did pioneering research on gratitude, which like many things in psychology, interestingly, uh, we know intuitively is really important and Mm -hmm. yet nobody ever studied it before until in this case, Bob Emmons took it on. So interestingly, there are a variety of powerful benefits that come with increasing trait gratitude, mm. which is, of course, so much our focus in the book and in general. How do we not just activate fleeting states of gratitude, but how do you build up more of an attitude of gratitude, mm-hmm. as some people call it? All right. So what Bob found was that people who have trait gratitude understandably tend to be more optimistic they tend to be more willing to take risks that are sensible in in their career, and therefore they tend to be more successful. Uh, They also tend to experience greater well-being because understandably there's a focus on what they've received. And uh, trait gratitude, which really is about thankfulness. Gratitude overlaps with but is meaningfully distinct from gladness. Gladness doesn't presuppose that you've received a gift. For example, you could be glad you got a paycheck, but it's not that you feel grateful to your boss for paying you because, you know, you put in the hours Mm -hmm. and, you know, you got a paycheck in exchange. On the other hand, you're glad about it. If somebody gives you extra money or gives you an extra cookie or an extra smile, that's something to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, what Bob found is that people who are thankful tend to be less self-preoccupied. Mm-hmm. Because what, if you think about it, what thankfulness does, and part of his own background is in religion, so he has an interest in how people relate to the notion of thankfulness, mm-hmm. as if, in some cases, in a religious framework. Mm-hmm. What he noted was that people who tend to be high on thankfulness have more of a sense of uh, openness to the universe, or to society, or to... Uh, the ways in which we naturally depend upon what comes to us. And an attitude of thankfulness is also a wonderful counter to the excesses of the Western, particularly I think American, notion of rugged individualism. Thankfulness kind of draws us out into a, a clear seeing of the larger world, the larger network that we're all part of. And even beyond that, I'm sure we'll get into it, For me, it takes us back in time to be thankful for the efforts of all these people, Mm -hmm. our parents, their parents, their parents' parents' parents, society. I keep thinking about who in the world invented the paperclip, and yet (laughs) I benefit from somebody, weirdly enough, figuring out that if you just sort of twist metal in that way, it works Mm -hmm. great as a paperclip, right? Thank you, whoever you are. Yeah, so 
Thankfulness, broadly speaking, is a good thing. It comes with a lot of benefits. It's a form of feeling satisfied is probably good to point to in terms of our broader conception of safety, satisfaction, and connection right. as our three primary needs. You yeah. know, when you are grateful, when you are thankful, it's because you feel that something has been met inside of you. Mm. Somebody has done a thing for you that you then experience in that feeling of like fullness. So clearly, there are a lot of psychological benefits that come from it. I think there are also a lot of critiques of mm. maybe not so much of thankfulness, but of kind of positive emotions yeah. more globally. And there are a lot of ways in which people often have a hard time feeling grateful mm. or feeling appropriately thankful. One of the natural critiques is that it feels a little bit bougie to people. And here's what I mean by that. That's a technical term. Yeah, <laughs> very technical, a little bougie, very technical. Where, you know, if you have a great life, it's easy to oh, yeah. feel grateful. Oh, yeah. But what if you don't? What if you have a lot of challenges? My life is tough. It's very easy for you, the white male doctor, to yeah. tell me to be happy for what I have. Oh, yeah. But obviously that comes with a lot of baggage. Yep. So if somebody has blocks to, for one, if you have a response to any of that, you're more than welcome to give it. And for two, if somebody has blocks to thankfulness of really any kind, what are some things that they can do to start to move past those blocks? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right that there is the usage of various ideas in psychology or in general in culture uh, for a bad purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I think, for example, you're getting at a, a kind of communication that can sometimes occur in which people in power mm -hmm. say to people, though, to those who are not in power, hey, be grateful for the crumbs I give you and shut up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's a real pitfall, obviously. We want to steer clear of that. I've reflected a million times on this passing comment that a guy said to me who was the manager of a video rental store. So now we're going back to the early <laughs> sure, years yeah. of your childhood, many, many moons ago. Yeah, rest in peace, Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, he was even, that's exactly right. Yeah. And he said to me in passing, and I forget the context, he said, well, I've traveled all around the world, and as a rule, the happiest people are the poorest ones. Hmm. Wow. That's haunting in so many ways. And what I think he's speaking to is that very often, in fact, we can observe people who are affluent and privileged and wealthy often are not terribly thankful for their privileges mm -hmm. and what they've been handed. And as, as you all know, and you've pointed it out to me uh, at different times, we tend to, we tend to um, overvalue uh, our own efforts if we're successful. Yeah. And this is called technically the attribution bias in psychology. Mm -hmm. And we tend to look at other people who are successful and overvalue the role of luck. Mm -hmm. in their lives. So mm -hmm. we kind of think we earned our success. Sure. And they you know, got lucky, and that's why they're so successful. And so I think there's a way in which uh, people who are very affluent don't uh, take the opportunity to be as th thankful as they actually could. On the other hand, when you think of people who are uh, really happy about uh, being able to have something to eat or have shelter or they're just thankful for the chance to curl up with their family on 10 square feet of sidewalk in Mumbai, mm -hmm. Mumbai every night. Wow. It opens up a possibility for us to appreciate that we can still be thankful 
for some things in a life in which there is great hardship. Mm-hmm. And the point of all that is not to, as you point out properly, is not to use thankfulness as an excuse for immiserating people mm-hmm. and leaving them in poverty or being apathetic uh, about their lot, nor is thankfulness uh, in any way a substitute for personal action. We can be thankful for what we've got and then keep on going to get even more mm-hmm. in, a, in a healthy sense there. So that's kind of, for me, big picture stuff. And then going back to uh, the whole t- topic really of the benefits for resilience and self-reliance and just coping and enduring that come from thankfulness and gratitude. If you think about it, pe- the people who have the least are m- most benefited by looking for authentic opportunities to be thankful for what they can, because that is a free (laughs) source of inner supplies, inner resources that people can draw upon to deal with what's hard. Great. If someone is experiencing a block to thankfulness, to kind of return to that, because that was a great assessment of culturally why some of those critiques of thankfulness exist and sort of your response to some of those critiques. Let's say that I myself have a hard time feeling grateful because I feel awkward when I feel like I've received something when other people don't have that thing. Yeah. So let's return to your example. I feel uncomfortable feeling grateful for my wonderful life and my wonderful house and my wonderful family when there is that family in Mumbai who's sleeping on the sidewalk. Yeah. And it kind of throws into stark relief that difference in circumstance. Yeah. Um, again, in the broader context of we're we're saying this from posi- the position of you know white men living in a first world sure. country who I certainly at least grew up quite privileged. Yeah. So for that person, how would you help them kind of move past that block? Yeah. So there, are, I think several major blocks and uh, to experiencing thankfulness and growing greater trait gratitude mm-hmm. um, and uh, benefiting from it in the ways that we've described. Mm -hmm. So there are blocks to that process. I think there are probably three major blocks I've seen. The first is exactly what you said, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, liberal guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very understandable. And yet if you look closely at it, multiple things seem true. One, being thankful for what you have doesn't harm other people at all. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make that family in Mumbai or that family living in poverty just a mile away from your Mm -hmm. front door, it doesn't help them in any material sense for you to be less thankful for what you have, Mm -hmm. first point. Second, alongside thankfulness for what you have can be compassion for those who don't have and a commitment to social justice or action to help them. They're they're not at odds with each other. In fact, I think for many people, a, a heartfelt thankfulness not an egotistical, self-satisfied, arrogant, self-important uh, congratulation of yourself. Whoa, look at my 10,000 square yeah, foot sure. home. Yucca, yucca. No, a, a, gen- a real feeling of thankfulness mm-hmm. for it, I think, tends to move people toward benevolence, mm-hmm. toward, uh, as they experience through thankfulness that their own cup runneth over, there's a, there's a movement to help others. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. And then the last quick point I would just say about that is that if you look at your own mind, it's possible that you might see that the avoidance of thankfulness serves the function of experiencing guilt mm. or burdensome commitment to do something 
about those who are less fortunate. Mm. And what I think is true is that we can feel sorrow for the, their situation, guilt in some meaningful sense about our role in privilege and uh, the you know the other side of the coin of privilege is disadvantage. Mm. To the extent that mm -hmm. we are advantaged, it means that economy of advantage is tilted heavily in the direction of those who are privileged, which means it's tilted away from those who are not privileged. And, and so our privilege is directly involved with the lack of privilege of others. Mm -hmm. And we may be completely unable to uh, rebalance the playing field and level it out. And meanwhile, that leads to the flow of privilege and advantage coming our way. And meanwhile, of course, we can feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we can feel genuinely bad about that for the sake of others. We can feel genuinely committed mm -hmm. to doing something we can for them. And we can really let those experiences land inside and um, have room inside our mind mm -hmm. while alongside it, being thankful for so many sweet things in our life, mm -hmm. including sweet things that those less advantaged people have access to, such as the gift of life itself. The other two blocks that I see to thankfulness are very psychological. They're not so political, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. The, uh, so the second block is that it makes people feel vulnerable to be thankful mm -hmm. because then they feel dependent. And so they push away the experience of thankfulness because they don't want to feel vulnerable and they don't want to feel dependent. Mm -hmm. The answer to that is to be willing to recognize the fact of dependence and be okay with it. We are dependent upon the exhalations of trees and other green growing things for every breath we take. All right. We are dependent upon uh, the kindness of strangers, uh, the goodness of people that know us and many people who don't. And that's just the truth of it. And recognizing that fact doesn't take away from anything you've earned yourself. So if people help themselves be more comfortable with receiving and uh, relying upon what they are receiving, then they're going to be more open to thankfulness. Mm. And then the third major block I see is that people are somehow afraid sometimes that if they open to receiving, they'll be obligated to give mm. somehow, including maybe in this larger moral sense that you're getting at in, in, your very, in the first block to, to gratitude or thankfulness. And with regard to that, I have found that what's useful for people is to separate the receiving of what is coming to you that you can be thankful for and whether you want to give in return mm -hmm. or give in exchange or even if you can possibly give in exchange. And the truth is that so much of, we've, of what we are given every day, we cannot possibly repay. Mm -hmm. Just think about the build-out instructions for the brain that are present in the gamete at the moment of conception, when two cells fuse and form one, right there are the build-out instructions for your brain that are the product of 600 million years of evolution of the nervous system sitting on top of another 3 billion years of life. Thank you, Mother Nature. How can we ever repay mom? You just mm -hmm. can't. You just can't. You just sure, have to yeah. accept the gift and, and then make the most of it and pay it forward and, and try to be of help to other people. So now that we've moved past some of those blocks that people have to thankfulness, what are ways that we can increasingly incline ourselves towards thankfulness just in our day-to-day -day life? How can we grow our capacity for it? Whether that be in terms of daily practices that we have to become more thankful, 
or in terms of being aware of our tendencies to push it away or kind of minimize our full experience of positive experiences when they do happen. There are several really good, practical, and enjoyable things people can do. And the first of them is something I watch you for us do quite routinely, Mm. which is you have a readiness to appreciate. You come into situations with a kind of readiness to appreciate what's useful or good about them. Mm -hmm. And you probably don't even realize it about yourself because it's so natural to you. It's like the the water in your mind that you swim in. You don't know you're wet. But it's really pretty unusual and it's quite beautiful. You have that readiness to to appreciate, Mm -hmm. uh, a readiness to be pleased by what you find Mm -hmm. and to recognize what's good or useful in in the person you're with or the situation you're in. So I think that readiness to appreciate, it's kind of an openness or or a leaning in, which then finds various specific things to appreciate. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I think a person can develop over time. Second, as uh, Dr. Emmons found, regular practices of gratitude have amazing benefits on average, for different people. It could be a moment of thankfulness at a meal Mm. or a classic practice that's been studied quite a bit. It's called the three blessings exercise in which at some point every day, often just before sleep, people recall three things that, or, or bring to mind in the present, three things that they are thankful for, blessings in the broadest sense. And the practice of doing that, especially if it's enhanced by writing it down, and then spending some time is to kind of marinate in the experience, mm-hmm. not just know intellectually what you are thankful for, but to help it become an experience of thankfulness, of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, happiness, and then really internalize, install in the language that we use, that experience of gratitude so it becomes a part of oneself. When people do that with the three blessings exercise routinely, which typically takes less than five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. The benefits are really quite remarkable in terms of coming up and out of a background of, say, anxiety or depressed mood and moving into a greater sense of well-being as well as some bonus benefits for relationships with other people. When we come into an encounter with other people and we have sort of running already in the background music, the background soundtrack of the mind, a sense of appreciation and thankfulness that need not even be particular to the person we're encountering or interacting with or getting into a conflict with. Uh, When that kind of soundtrack is playing of gratitude in the back of the mind, we really tend to be more mellow, forgiving, easygoing, tolerant with other people too. So that would be a second suggestion. And then a third suggestion I would just offer to people is to expand the field of things you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. I do silly stuff. Like I look out and I'll see something that would be ordinarily really prosaic, like a curb in a city street that's kind of crumbling and not so great. And yet it's a curb. It separates the cars from the pedestrians. <laughs> Somebody figured out how to make concrete and cement and sure. all the rest of that. Somebody got the sand somewhere. That sand came from something, the action of the waves on the shore or rivers on, on the land. The uh, atoms in the sand, bigger than helium, were all born inside an exploding star, the minerals in sand. So many things to be grateful for when you just 
<laughs> Look at a curb. Uh, and so expanding the field of what you could be grateful for, including what might seem uh, small or silly uh, mm-hmm. or trivial, I just think is wonderful. The evolution of flowers. There's a white bird that comes into our backyard, as you know, and bedevils the goldfish in our pond. (laughs) I'm just grateful for that beautiful bird and Mm -hmm. respectful of his persistence in trying to get lunch, even though I keep shooing it away. Mm -hmm. So that would be the third suggestion for developing that sense of gratitude. And over time, honestly, you just start to approach life with this latent attitude of awestruck gratitude, awestruck gratitude that can readily move in the foreground and probably lives in the foreground a fair amount of the time. To offer a quick thought and maybe a little bit of a summary of some of the things that we've talked about so far today, an amazing experience is not necessary for us to experience gratitude. And equally, if we are privy to many amazing experiences, it's only appropriate for us to be grateful for them, Mm. much as we would say thank you to somebody who gave us a really wonderful gift. Right. And indeed, by appreciating that it is a gift that we have been given in whatever way, whether that's the gift of the circumstance of our life or circumstance of our parentage, whatever it might be, then once we move into a framework of appreciation for that Mm. thing, we become, as you were saying, in some ways, a little bit more disassociated with our own role in it. Because, mm. as you were pointing to, there's a little bit of this tendency for us to kind of assume that everything that good that ever happened to us was our own source, <laughs> and everything bad that ever happened to us was some horrible bad cause luck. of bad luck. Or Not my fault. Exactly, bad fortune, it. whatever it might be, yeah. yeah. And moving into a stance of full appreciation even particularly for the things that we really had no control over, really does, I think, move everyone into more of a framework of altruism Mm. and more of a framework of kindness and appreciation for the broader world around us. Yeah. Can I build on that really fast? Which is, I just realized that it's weird when you realize that um, so much of the good fortune or good results in your life Mm -hmm. are due to all kinds of causes that you cannot take responsibility for. When you sort of accept that, yeah. then what gets highlighted is what you can take responsibility for. Oh, for sure, for. yeah. Yeah, which is you know something I tend to focus on. Plugging away. Fall, yep, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dogged, up the hill, here we yeah, go. Yeah, for boom, sure. boom. No, totally. Like when, when your focus gets moved onto the elements of your life that you can control, and we discussed this kind of ad nauseum during the, um, during the episode on agency, and it's really been a recurring theme throughout yeah. these these podcasts of kind of causes and effects and water and the fruit tree and whatever it might be. Gratitude is yet another thing that moves us into agency. Hmm. And for me, I think that agency is one of the most important tools we have available to us for mental health. So it's great to show proper appreciation and thankfulness for it. So there you go (laughs) to put a little dovetail on the whole thing. To give a quick summary, maybe, of some of the things that we talked about today, we began by discussing the role of positive emotion generally, particularly its value for mental health, kind Mm. of broadly speaking, and why it's good to feel good about things. Uh, From there, as a part of that, you highlighted the work of a number of different people, including Barbara Fredrickson. There are a lot of great resources that exist out there for gratitude broadly and thankfulness in particular, we then moved into that broader conversation about thankfulness. 
highlighting the importance of thankfulness as an experience for building mental resources, and also some of the critiques of thankfulness and the blocks that people have to fully being grateful for the good things that happen to them in the course of life. Then finally, we spent a moment to talk about some ways that you can grow more of that attitude of gratitude that you began the episode with. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be moving into a topic that's kind of a close cousin to this idea of thankfulness, which is taking pleasure, uh, fully experiencing the good that happens to you in those good experiences in life. Until then, thanks for listening. 